0: slowly progressing through the book of Revelation. Does anybody remember where we were when we left off? I know where we were. I'm just asking if y'all know where, where we were. We've been looking uh, uh, at these different churches, and tonight we come to the church of Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 14, is uh, where we at. We are, now we're coming for a house call for a sin-sick church. Uh, now, the last several churches that we've dealt with, now, remember uh, at the beginning of this study of the uh, these different churches, uh, we saw the first couple of churches uh, uh, we had praise from. Uh, Jesus about the churches and then they uh, he would say uh, but I've got something against you I've got this against you uh, you do well in this but uh, you need to take care of that last time when we were uh, looking at uh, uh, Revelation we came to uh, the church and and uh, uh, this particular church uh, had problems with uh, the fact that it was uh well it was just uh uh it had some problems and he didn't say anything about uh it being a good church it was church at Sardis and and he said but uh you need to get some things taken care of tonight we come to a church that is even worse off than the church at Sardis church of Laodicea um and uh, it is a church that has uh, some s- uh, severe problems and uh, to be quite honest, uh, uh, there are a lot of churches in today's society that are uh, the epitome of the church of Laodicea. You could just simply transfer the name of uh, that church with the ch- uh, the word Laodicea because uh, uh, we've got a lot of churches in today's world that would fit right in. Uh, so let's look at the church at Laodicea and see what their problem is. Uh, this passage of Scripture is a little f- uh, familiar with most of us because of what he says about this church. So let's just begin at verse 14. It says, unto the angel of the church of uh, the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. The faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would uh, thou wert hot or cold. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I would spew thee out of my mouth." Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thou that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and, I, and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also ever came. Uh, overcame and am sent down with my Father in his throne, he that hath an ear let him hear that the spirit uh, what the spirit hath said unto the churches. so let's uh, get a little bit of background about uh, this particular church before we get into this. Um, <clears throat> of course, this is Jesus Christ uh, who is talking. He says, uh, these things saith the amen the faithful and the true witness in the beginning of uh, creation of God. Throughout Scripture, we hear uh, about uh, Jesus being uh, referenced as being with God in Uh, the uh, time of creation there's many scriptures that say that Jesus is the one who uttered the words that actually uh, was the creating force behind the creation of all that is and so uh, this is Jesus saying that he is the amen Um, there are some who would say that this is a little bit of a misunderstanding of what is written here uh, when we think of the amen, we think of that's the end of, of, a, of a prayer. Don't, don't we? I mean, every time we read amen in Scripture, uh, we think of amen when we come to the end of our uh, uh, prayers, when we say a prayer. Uh, but you have to remember what the word amen means. And the word amen here, uh, uh, when we say amen in our prayer, what we're doing is we're saying to Jesus Christ we pray uh, and especially when and I encourage you if you don't already do so always pray in Jesus name it's not that his name is invoking you're not uh, it's not like you're invoking uh, magical words like abracadabra uh, when you're praying it's that uh, you're praying to Jesus Christ, and it's affirming that uh, who you are praying to. You are praying to the person of God, uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, and when you say amen, you are agreeing with Jesus Christ uh, and you are saying in essence, when you say in Jesus' name, amen, you are basically saying in your will, in your desire, in your will, I agree, I agree to whatever your desire is for the things that I've just prayed for. It's not that in uh, and, and, and so doing, you are submitting your will to God. You're saying to Him, uh, all that I've prayed Uh, Those are my desires, but I will submit to your will, your desire in those aspects of my prayer. And so when you pray that way and you say, amen, you are saying, in essence, yes, I agree with you. Yes, I agree. And so uh, when we come to this, uh, when it says, uh, these things saith the amen... Uh, there are many who say this is to reference, uh, in essence, saying uh, this is the one who is saying yes. Though, um, uh, and there are some that who would say that uh, this is the anon, and rather than amen, uh, the word having a slight variation and difference. But regardless, we have. Uh, this passage of scripture that is pointing in several different ways to Jesus Christ. The uh, this word "Amen" references the final word, the yes of uh, creation of all things that are. Are the faithful and true witness of the beginning of creation of God. He is the one who is uh, who is. Uh, uh, who was the creating force behind all that is so this is jesus christ as in all the other uh, circumstances these letters to the churches it's jesus christ who is speaking and remember i told you that each time we look at a different letter to a different church each time it's jesus who's writing the who's saying these things in this his message but it's a different reference of who jesus christ is Jesus is saying, "I am the final authority in what I am saying to you, and this is the final word to the church at Laodicea." Laodicea uh, was once the city of uh, Diospolis. It was fortified by uh, Antiochus the and named for his wife uh, Laodicea. Uh, and it was he rebuilt it in two sixty one. Uh, but somewhere between 261 and 253 B.C. It's situated on a plateau in a fertile valley of uh, the Lysias River on a prominent trade route. And it is very prominent. Uh, it is six miles south of Hepolis, and It's 11 miles west of Colossae. And its uh, Heppolus was known for its wool trade. And it was... Uh, 100 miles east of Ephesus and being in this very uh, strategic location uh, along the trade routes, it meant that it was a very wealthy community because it dealt a lot with the trade between all of these different cities and it worked well with all of these cities. Uh, uh, It's very prosperous and it was a major urban center Uh, In the second century, and it was, but it was an area a lot like San Francisco. It was very prone to earthquakes. It was, uh, even though it was in a very uh, beautiful location and it was in very lush and and very uh, prosperous location, it was prone to earthquakes. In fact, It was so well off that in 60 A.D. when uh, there was an earthquake, the city was destroyed and it was part of the Roman uh, Empire at that time. Uh, Rome had offered money to help uh, rebuild the city and they wrote back to Rome and said, thanks but no thanks, we got it covered. So they were so well off they were able to rebuild the whole city without the uh, after this disaster that destroyed the city uh they were able to uh rebuild it without any help uh, outside help uh the Christian community was very closely connected with the uh the Christian community in Colossae. and it was uh Uh, very well known to uh, the community in Colossae, so much so that uh, the church in Laodicea was mentioned five times in the book of Colossians, uh, in 2nd Colossians, I believe it was. So um, it's very well connected. It is a Uh, area that is well known for its expensive garments. uh, Black wool uh, is one of its uh, top exports. One of the things about Laodicea that you may not know about that will help you understand this passage of Scripture, all of us know about uh, this passage of Scripture because the familiar part, there's two really familiar parts. Uh, The first familiar part is about uh, the... uh, its character, the church at Laodicea, uh, Jesus says, you're neither cold nor hot. He says, I would that you would be cold or hot, but you are lukewarm and I spew you out. Well, this may very well be a reference to the fact that uh, Laodicea was built in an area where uh, the water was very hard. Now, I'm talking about in pH uh, levels. It's very hard water. It's not, uh, you know, you've know got some water that's very soft and some water, pH level makes it hard. Uh, the water was potable in Laodicea, but it was very hard uh, water. And it was uh, very popular for Laodicea. Uh, because of their wealth, they shipped their water in from other communities. They uh, they received their uh, hot water from hot springs uh, that were uh, coming in from, um, let's see, Hierarchopolis, uh, uh, the first place I mentioned that was five miles away, uh, that, they had a lot of hot springs, and so they had hot water, naturally occurring hot water, and so they uh, had aqueducts and they had uh, uh, water piped in from Heracleopolis. I have a hard time saying that sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, they had hot water coming in from there, and they had cold water coming in from Colossae because they had very cold, cold water in Colossae. And so uh, they had water coming in from these two different directions. You remember I said that they were 11 miles from Colossi and 5 miles from uh, Herapolis. And so when the water would come, it would start out really hot or really cold. And by the time that it got to Laodicea, sometimes it would be what? It would be lukewarm and people wouldn't want that water. Uh, After it had come from Herapolis, it it would not be quite as hot as it was when it started out, and depending on uh, uh, certain conditions in the uh, weather at that time, it would sometimes not be quite as hot anymore. So it would be only warm or lukewarm. The same way with the water coming from Colossae, it it might start out really, really cold, like uh, glacier cold, Coming from Colossi, and then, uh, then, because it's coming 11 miles, uh, after it's gotten a, a certain ways, it's it's going to warm up as it comes, and so uh, all of them understood in Laodicea what it meant to get turn on your water and you get lukewarm water, lukewarm water. You want it either hot or cold. You don't want it just lukewarm unless you got some kind. You know, uh, my daddy he had. Uh, problems with his teeth. His teeth were real sensitive, and some of you that have real sensitive teeth, you can't you can't take uh, really really cold cold water, can you? Because it ah, it hurts really bad when you get drink cold cold water. It hits that nerve in your tooth or something like that. Well, um, that might be the only situation you might not want your cold really uh, your water really really cold. Uh, most times, you want your water. Uh, really cold and Jesus says to them you understand what I'm saying when I say I want you either hot or cold hot being uh, now hot or cold doesn't matter what you think of Uh, sometimes uh, being hot and passionate for the Lord is a good thing being hot uh, for the Lord Uh, cold would be indifferent and not caring Uh, Jesus saying look I can I want you to be hot I want you to be uh, on fire for me. I want you to be passionate in your faith, passionate in sharing your faith. He said, but if you're cold, I, at least I know what to do with you. I know how to, uh, to deal with you. You're, you're cold and indifferent. You, there's an issue in your heart, but when you're lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot. You're, you, you say that you're uh, on fire and passionate. And what he's saying is here... And this is how it deals with our churches today. you got a lot of people in this world uh, who are saying, Oh yeah, I'm a a Southern Baptist. I've been a Baptist all my life. I I, I faithfully come to church. I tithe. But you don't do anything else. You don't go out and you you don't share your testimony. When God clearly gives you an opportunity to witness for Him, you don't do it. Or you do it half-heartedly. Or maybe you only do it when you go on mission trips. God opens the door for you to witness to somebody and invite them to church. And instead, you're more interested in uh, checking your groceries out or or whatever it is that you're doing at the moment. You miss those opportunities. He's, You know, Jesus says, look, you, you say that you're hot, but you're not hot. You just... You're not really passionate for me. You're not cold and indifferent. You're not so you know. You're not unsaved, <laughs> so you're not cold. But you're not hot. You're not serving me, and you're not doing what I've called you to do. You're not doing the things that I've called you to uh, to be a part of. So uh, Jesus is saying, "Look." uh you're neither one and and here's the other thing and when Jesus is calling on them uh on this evidently the problem that they had was is they were saying look we're okay we're fine look we're prosperous we got all this wealth coming in we've got plenty in our bank account god is bless and and he's saying look you're you're prosperous you 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 say that you uh, are when I call on you and, and he says uh, I am rich and increased with goods and have need for nothing and so they're basically saying look you know we're fine we're doing good we got everything under control and at the time uh, being wealthy and well off was an indication of God's blessing and you know For a lot of churches they say, Look, we got a lot of money coming in and the tithes, we're paying our bills, we're everything's good. We're not having we're not and the, the issue is is you're not looking to the Lord because everything's coming in and everything's going well, you're not uh, fervently seeking God's direction. You think that everything's taken care of and that everything's going okay, so you're not passionately pouring out your heart to God saying, God, lead us. God, direct us. God, please help us. See, that's what God wants. God wants you to, to earnestly seek His direction. He wants you to earnestly... Dire, uh, desire His direction in your life. He wants you to be uh, pleading to Him, not because, uh, and and look, God doesn't want everything to be wrong in your life so that you come uh, begging to Him for direct. He just simply wants you to depend upon Him. He wants you to look to Him for guidance. He wants to be the Lord of your life. But when everything's going good, when, you know, when money's coming in, when when the uh, uh, when everything is going great, you just don 't look to God. you say, "You know we got this, we got this. You know, I had a church that uh, that was a very old church early in my ministry, and there were times I was tempted to say, "God, please send a tornado through here and tear this church down. God, please do something." To, to disrupt these people. They need to earnestly look to you for direction and guidance. They feel like they've got everything. Uh, look, the church had a building that was paid for. It was bigger than they needed. They had more room than they could... Uh, could stand they needed to be fired up and they needed to be fervent for God they needed to be looking to him because they were getting so small they were rolling around inside the sanctuary like it was a marble in a box. I mean it, it was uh, you know uh, you, you just you just felt like a, you, and the numbers weren't so bad but because they had so few people and the church was so big, it, it, you just had the sense like there was nobody there, and I and they weren't concerned because they had the church paid off. Everything was fine, and they had a uh, an insurance policy that was uh, eight hundred thousand dollars to pay on the church. And on top of that, and that they said we have the. Largest insurance policy that our insurance company will allow us to get. We can get $800,000 if our church is blown down by a tornado tomorrow. Uh, We'll we'll have money to cover it. Because not only that, they had an endowment of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And they had an endowment because they said... You know we got stained glass windows in this church that are just priceless. Yeah, we eight hundred thousand dollars wouldn't be able to put this church back the way it is right now. So uh, they uh, they had an endowment, and not only that, they were still putting money towards the endowment instead of putting money towards missions, instead of putting money towards outreach, instead of putting efforts into going out into the community, they were feeding that endowment because their desire was, they said. Preacher, one day we hope to have the endowment so high that we can—we uh, don't have to worry about tithing anymore. If we get down to next to nothing, we'd still be able to employ a pastor because uh, we'll just use the interest off of the endowment to pay our pastor. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, you have lost focus. And that's what the ha- problem was with the church at Laodicea. They had lost focus on what was important. They thought they were healthy. They thought that they were good, but Jesus says, you are so sick, you think that you're well off. Verse 18, Jesus says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. He says, your your treasures are not what you think they are. And this gold that he's talking about is... uh, you've heard uh mention you know uh your lay up for yourself treasures in heaven he says your gold's not uh refined your gold is impure what the things that you're placing value on they're just they're nothing He says I advise you to buy in essence he's saying you need to reprioritize what is important and what's crucial he says Buy refined gold that I have for you. He's in essence saying, "Look, you need to look to me to find out what is uh, most, uh, what is true treasure." He says, "I advise to you to buy white linen and uh, raiments of white that you might be clothed in your nakedness." He says, "Look, you you have such a distorted sense of what a uh, value you're uh, basically naked and exposed. You're uh, you're." He says He's saying you have no righteousness at all. He says you need to, to have the righteousness of God that will clothe you and adorn you so that it will cover your nakedness. He says you need to buy uh, eye salve for your eyes so that you'll be able to see. Uh, now, there was a famous eye physician uh, uh, optometrist that lived in the area of Laodicea and people came from all over to see this uh, this guy. And I read his name, and I was thinking I was going to remember it, but I forgot it. So please excuse me. You can look it up if you want to, to or just take my word for it. There was a famous uh, uh, optician that of, their, of that day that was in that area, and people came from all over. And Jesus is using that familiarity of Laodicea to try and reach them and, and reach them where they live. He says, you need to go and buy some eye salve so that you can heal your eyes and you can see. He's saying, basically, you're not seeing the wretchedness of your situation. You're not seeing the plight that you're in. You're not seeing uh, the need all around you of ministry. And listen, we've got churches that are the same way Today. They place more priority on a building program rather than reaching the people to fill the building. They they place more priority on whether or not their church has new robes for the choir, or has uh, the finest uh, uh, pipe organ in air in the area, or has uh, the most beautiful ornamentation for their sanctuary. Listen, all of those things are nice, and all of those things can give God the glory. But G, uh, but Jesus is saying, you need to place your priorities on the true priorities, my priorities. He says, you need to get your life righteous with me. You need to be focused on reaching those who are lost. He need, And I'm just putting this in the vernacular of what he means by what uh, these things represent. He says, you need to have your eyes open and you need to be able to see things as I see them. You need to see uh, the people all around you that need... Uh, 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 you know, in in today uh, today's terms, you need to see all the people around you that need saved. We need to uh, refocus our, yourselves. He says uh, all of these things need to to be done. You need to reprioritize your uh, values and your worth uh, because you're not rich. You're poor. You're wretched. You're you're naked. Um, And all of these things point to the problems that are within the church today as well as the church at Laodicea. And um, verse 19 says, I love uh, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten them. He says, look, look, Jesus is not saying this of the church at Laodicea because he wants to rebuke them and, and wants to cast them out. He says, I love you still. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I love you. Now, this is kind of like a parrot that finds the child that's, uh, that's eating all the chocolate out of the bowl after they told them, don't you touch that chocolate icing. It's for my cake that I'm baking. Don't you touch it. And you go out to pick some beans and you come back in and the child's just got chocolate all over their face and the bowl's empty. You know exactly what that child has done and you, were, uh, you spanked them because they've done what uh, you told them not to. Not that you wouldn't have ba- made a whole bowl of icing for them to eat if they just asked, but they did it contrary to what you said and so jesus says i'm chastening you because i love you and you punish that child not because they ate your icing but because you love them and you know that they need to understand and learn that when you say no you mean no when you say yes you mean yes and when you say not to do something you mean not to do it jesus says i love you and that's why i'm Uh, telling you all of this. So He's not completely rejected them. And then He says uh, the other famous uh, saying that's in here, and it uh, comes actually from the Gospels, uh, uh, from a parable that Jesus uh, says in the Gospels. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. And uh, so <clears throat> there's still an opportunity for repentance. Jesus says, I love you and I'm still willing to, for you to repent. He says, I've even come and I'm knocking on the door. I am pleading with you to allow me to enter back in into your life and allow you to have a right relationship with me. Jesus has not completely given up on the church at Laodicea and Jesus has not completely uh, uh, given up on the church of today. Our churches today can still turn back and get our hearts right with God, we still have the opportunity to turn back to Him and to get our priorities right. We still have the opportunity. And He says in verse 21, He says, To Him that overcomes, He's saying, Look, if you would actually allow me to come in, allow me to help you to get your priorities right. And and that's just it. He's not saying you need to get these things right. Now go off and do it. He's saying, look, if you will just simply let me in, I will help you and I will come in and I will, I will help you get these things right. And if you would overcome, he says, not only that. If, and so there's not only the invitation, there's not only uh, the uh, provocation of the fact that he says, I love you, I want to help you. He says also, I uh, it is, he, he also provides a means to overcoming. He says, look, I, I'll come in, I'll sup with you, and if you'll sup with me, and we'll get these things right. It's like uh, whenever your daddy... Uh, sat down with you and he says you know son I love you this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you didn't you always hate to hear that because you always knew it was going to hurt an awful lot you didn't know how much it was going to hurt him but you knew it was going to hurt an awful lot whenever your daddy said that and then he he whoops you and then (coughs) he'd sit you down with with him after that while you're crying and everything he says come here boy I still love you he grabs you and puts his arm around you and he says you know I understand what you did. You need to understand what you did wrong. And this is how we're going to fix it. We're going to do it right. And, and and this is what we're going to do to make it right. And He lays out for you all the things you need to do to get everything right with Him. That's what Jesus is doing. He says, look... I love you, I want you to get these things right. He says, it's not that I'm casting you out and saying that you can't ever be uh, be righteous again. He says, I want you to get it right. He says, these are the things you need to get right, need to turn around, and if you'll just simply allow me, I will come and I will help you to get these things right and I will help direct you to the righteousness that you need to have in your life. To, to see the things as, as I've called you to see them. And he says, then if, you will over, uh, if when you overcome those things, I will reward you. He says, those, uh, in verse 21, he says, and to those who overcome, he says, I will allow you to sit on the throne with me. He says, I will. it's like that daddy and he said, you know, that place beside my daddy in his car, when he was right... Uh, you remember those uh, bench seats in the car? A lot of the old trucks had a, had a bench seat. And, you know, you uh, whenever you're driving down the road, you didn't want your honey all the way on the other side. You wanted your honey to slide all the way over next to you so you could put your arm around her and you could drive around with the windows down and, and just all that scent of her perfume just uh, filling your nostrils and everything and all that love that you felt. Same way when you had a little boy or a little girl. I remember my daddy, he would... Uh, Boy, I tell you what, the, the rules for the road were very different back then. Uh, when we'd go to the store or something, he would, he would say, Come here, son. He'd, he would uh, put his arm out and I would just slide right underneath that arm and he would ride around with, uh, driving with that arm around me. The best place in the world to feel is in the crook of my daddy's arm. And that's what Jesus wants is to is to put us in the crook of his arm, to show us his love, and to tell us that things are going to be okay if we just simply trust in him, allow him to be the Lord of our life, allow him to redirect our path. And that's what God wants to do for our church today. Is to yes, we might have things under control. We might think we do, but he's saying, look, we've got an awful lot to correct. We've got an awful lot that needs to be done. There's an awful lot of things that, that I want done in your life that you're just not seeing because you're not seeing with well eyes. You're, you're seeing with sick eyes. He says, you need to see with my eyes and you need to, to get things right in your life. So that's the message for us today. In the church of Laodicea. God wants us. He says, I will grant him an opportunity to sit with me on my throne, even the same as I and the Father are on the throne together. And he says again in verse 22, the same admonition he gives every single time. He that has ears to hear. Look, he says, if you would just simply listen. If you'll just simply listen, you need to hear what I'm saying. But you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that want to say, okay, preacher, you gave us a nice little Bible study, but that's not for us. That's not, that's not for us. We don't need to hear that. We're in pretty good shape. There's always something that God wants to do to correct us. No matter how good we think we are, we're not at His righteousness. There's always something that God wants to correct in us. And we just might be like this church at Laodicea. It says, you know, we got it all under control. We got it. Everything's okay. We're We're meeting our bills. We still got people coming. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah? Jesus says, oh, yeah? You just don't see it. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to see with Your eyes. Help us to know the things that we need to correct. Lord, help us to come to You. Allow You to correct us. Lord, allow us to hear You knocking at our door. Lord, help us to open that door. Allow You to come in and care for us redirect our pathway. Help us to be on the pathway of righteousness as You've called us to be. Lord, that we might correct our course and be in righteousness with You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.